Man, I, I sure appreciate Blake. You know what? They're servants in the body of Christ, and this guy is ever present and always available. And you know, a lot of the young bucks in our congregation are that way. I mean, it's it's awesome. You know, when there's something that needs to be taught, and I ask him to teach it. You know, Logan has stepped up; he's done a great job. You know, Blake has stepped up recently. Jake has stepped up recently. And you know, it's it's awesome when those guys step up and they 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 put the pedal to the metal and deliver the message. And as you well know, that's the second message that TJ's ever preached. Now, he's not the young man like Jake or Blake, but man, I'll tell you what, he's a young man and he's got her, got her dialed in. How many thought that was an awesome message yeah, this morning? Man, that was amazing. That's just amazing. It's awesome. So, appreciate that. Appreciate the guys who are here tonight. We're going to turn to number 69. Number 69 before we bring up our next speaker. Ohioan, right? Is that what you're Ohioan? Ohioan? Did I say an Ohioan? It's a Buckeye, Ohioan. Okay. It's a buck. What? No one's really afraid of Buckeye? Unless it hits you in the head. All right. Here we go. <laughs> Sound the battle cry. <laughs> Sound the battle cry, see the foe is right, may the dander die for the Lord. Gird your armor on, stand firm everyone, rest your cause upon his holy word. Rouse and soldiers, rally round the banner, ready, steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna, Christ is captain of the mighty throng. Strong to meet the foe, marching on we go, while our cause we know must prevail. Shield and banner bright, gleaming in the light, battling for the right we ne'er can fail. Rouse and soldiers, rally round the banner, ready, steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna, Christ is captain of the mighty throng. Oh, thou God of all, hear us when we call. Help us one and all by thy grace. When the battle's done and the victory's won, may we wear the round before thy face. Rouse and soldiers, rally round the banner. Ready, steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna! Christ is captain of the mighty throng. Well, I got to tell you that I really like this uh, Buckeye guy, this Ohioan guy. And uh, he's become a, a real rock star around the Pleasant Hill congregation. And, you know, he's, he's kind of becoming a staple uh, of the uh, Oregon family camp. And every time he decides to show up, he's going to be preaching. And I don't think anybody's going to have a problem with that. You know, I know he says he's not a very good preacher, but I'm telling you what, he right he reminds me a lot of Kirk Parks, man. I'll tell you, Kirk Parks can really deliver a message. And uh, I got a real treat for you coming up, and uh, Ken knows about it. Uh, you know, Kirk is doing a, a series on Second Timothy, but he's got another series coming up. But we're going to have him main line, main time Sunday morning. And I'm going to step down and just sit and listen. Okay, it's kind of how you transition out. I'm not transitioning out quite yet, but I tell you what, Kirk's got something going on that, man, you need to know. 
and he's able to find in the scriptures the things that are there, when you hear it, you go, that's exactly right. Well, you know, that's the same way with this guy. Now, Jeremy's a little younger, but man, he's a seasoned guy. And when I say seasoned, I mean he really knows how to take the scriptures apart, get what needs to be heard, and deliver it in a way that you can pick it up and you can run with it on Monday morning. You might even be able to run with it tomorrow, depending on where you work and whatnot. So if you take a look at your little sheet there, it says persevering faith in the workplace. I'll tell you what, it's becoming more and more dangerous to be overtly Christian in the workplace. And I'll tell you what, I think it's going to grow more so. And so if you do not have the faith, you young bucks that are coming up and are going to want to get work, and they're going to try to muzzle you right out of the chute. We're going to try and shut you down. It's going to be tough. It's tough right now. And I'm not sure what you got brewing, but I know that most men find their identity in what they do. And it's a very important part of their life to be able to provide for their families, physical family and church family. The devil knows that. So he knows that this is a prime place to target you but this is the prime place for us to crush the devil's head in say so it's the mindset gentlemen and again i'm excited about what jeremy's going to deliver i know he's going to do a great job so i want you to listen carefully take note and then i want you to apply it test him to see if it's true but i'm confident so let's give it up for jeremy wilson buckeye o'halloran <laughs> there you go thanks <laughs> that was a Thing. Appreciate there. that. Yeah. Now don't touch any buttons on here because you'll turn yourself Just off. Put it in my pocket. Yeah. Now watch this. I'm not touching nothing. Look. Right here. Right here. Okay. Hey guys. I'm uh, genuinely happy to be with you. Um, you know, you ever uh, had an experience where. Uh, Guys have talked and talked and talked, but they haven't said anything at all. Like, they have all those words, but, like, nothing was said. That is not uh, what has happened here today. Um, I don't know about you. Like, I'm, I'm so floored and humbled about the two messages that were preached today. Like, um, just genuinely feel like I do not belong here because that was so good like you guys just amazing so uh i'm man it has been so good you guys have said volume some i uh for a really long time i know you guys you can't understand this jake you'll be able to maybe coincide with me like i grew up in the church i did not have um i did not have experiences like you guys I did not have a hard life. I had parents who loved me, who raised me in the church, who taught me to love, who guided me. Um, I never tried a cigarette. I never tried a drink of alcohol. I've never done a drug. I have never been part of a bad crowd. I've never been arrested. And so I often feel incredibly inept um, when I'm with men who have had world experience. But <clears throat> the older I get, the more I find my place because they want their sons to be like me. Amen. 
And so now I can say, okay, it can be done, man. It can be done. I don't care what the world wants to tell you. I don't care what everybody wants to communicate to you about being social or, you know, having your kids at home or, well, they can't go and have fun. They can't have world experiences. They, they can. And I'm proof of it. And I appreciate the fact that um, eventually we, we find our place, guys like Jake and me. And um, so it can be done. I just want to encourage you. Um, about that. Yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna end up getting it. Sorry. No, you're good. That's that's gonna work. Okay, cool. Turn your Bibles, uh, Galatians chapter six. <clears throat> We're gonna read a text that was quoted by Brian uh, Bragg and preached on by Bill. Galatians chapter six. I'm gonna start there, and um, you guys started talking about it, and I was like. Oh, here we go. Like, uh, you know, and um, so, uh, you know, before I do start, I, I want to tell you this. Um, I don't um, I get to travel a lot and things like that, but I do not get to get away with the men. Like we just don't do that where we're at. And I'm not positive why, but um, <clears throat> it is a really good thing to be amongst men of character, to be with men that. I know are grinding the grind that are going through the same things, trying to be disciplined men, men of integrity, men who do the right thing when nobody's looking. And um, it's a rare thing these days. And so like to have all these men in the same place who have that same mindset, like to me, that's, it's a really powerful thing. Like it's a really very real, very genuine, very down to earth thing. And um, I'm enjoying it immensely. And um, I got to think that it's probably the most important thing going on in this state currently. Amen. I can't think there's anything more important going on what's happening right here. Amen. And so um, I'm happy to be a part of it. Um, we're going to read uh, Galatians chapter 6. We're going to read start with 7 through 10. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not lose heart in doing good. For in due time we will reap if we do not give up. So then, while we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people especially those who are of the household of faith. <clears throat> you think uh, you think spiritual burnout's a real thing? As much as people don't want to act like it. They, I mean, who wants anyone to know that I don't have everything perfectly under control? That I don't do the right thing all the time? Who wants other people to know that I'm tired and sometimes I'm hungry and cranky or, and I have some de character develop issues, like issues. And, um, I think that, uh, emotional exhaustion is a very real thing. And so, and so, um, I want to, I want to make sure that 
you guys understand, um, when we're talking about perseverance and faith, the grind will get you if you're not careful. And um, probably the worst enemy of enthusiasm is time. You, uh, human beings have this remarkable way of forgetting very quickly something that's magnificent. You guys like, uh, you ever been really excited to have something new and then you got it and it's like, eh. You bought this, you like, you, you did all your research on this gun or TV or whatever it was. You finally bought it. You, it were, you loved it. You shot it once. It went in the safe and you were like, meh. Like how quickly the excitement has subsided. I went on vacation um, in Tampa a month ago. I don't know when it was. Um, and you come into Tampa near Clearwater and you get on this ginormous bridge and you look at the beautiful ocean and it's magnificent. And you're awestruck. And you're just overwhelmed. And by the end of the vacation, you barely know it's there and you're thinking about how dumb the guy in front of you is that's driving. And you've forgotten about this magnificent thing that sits next to you that you were mesmerized by at the beginning of the week. And now you didn't even notice it. How quickly we forget about amazing things. And I think um, the grind does it to us, you know. Um, it's just part of things. And, and I want you to think about how important this is. Um, I'm going to say this nicely. Vacationers get tired of sunsets. Millionaires, they get tired of money. Kids, they get tired of toys. You know, you got a pile of them not used. And Christians, they get tired of work. It gets tiring. It gets exhausting. And I, and I know that I don't want to, this won't be a negative focus as much as um, very genuine. Um, first time you taught a Sunday school class, man, it was exciting. Now, yeah, yeah, you know, um, first time you preached, you felt an overflowing gush of enthusiasm and emotion and now you started a bible study you started reading a particular thing you it, it's it's easy for things to fade so quickly with so many things vying for our attention right. it's really easy it happens so quickly and so perseverance is not easy it's work and it has to be incredibly intentional Perseverance just doesn't happen. Like, oh, I'm going to be a perseverant man. Well, that's nice you said it. But how does it really happen? Like, how, does, how do you get your guts there? How do you get your mind there? Is the question, right? Like, for all of us, like, how do we get past that? Um, I heard somebody refer to this thing I'm talking about as compassion fatigue one time. Or well-doers well burnout. I heard somebody tell it like that. They used a term. I don't know if it's legit or not, but I did hear that. A couple of years ago, I was traveling, and um, 
I was visiting, I was on business and um, there was one of the brethren who lived close to where I was on business. So I decided I was going to stay with him for the weekend and hang out with his family and then fly home. And I got there and we had the best time. And one of the evenings we were there, um, everybody went to bed and we were just hanging out and talking about whatever. And um, keep hitting, that's what it is. Um, talking about whatever. And um, yeah, we we're talking about spiritual principles and concepts. And, um, and so uh, it got very serious. And um, he said, you know, I had a really tough time for a while. And I could see him welling up with emotion. And I knew it meant a lot to him. And he said, you know, there was a day I sat in my office and I thought about just leaving it all behind. I just couldn't. I was so tired so tired of the results I wasn't getting, so tired of, you know, the effort and work and energy, and he was worn out, and he was discouraged. And on one hand, I was surprised and taken back, but on the other hand, I was so thankful that he wasn't trying to put some fake facade on, like he was the toughest guy in the world, and he never had a struggle, and he never had a problem. And he confided in me something that he, man, he was struggling like at one point with. And he told me he had worked through that process, but I admired honesty. Like I admired honesty. And I think that um, that's something you have to think about today, any of us. How much of a facade do we put on or is it very genuine and are we willing to be honest with ourselves and with our brethren. I, when you were honest about breaking down, like it got to me, like I had a knot in my throat because there aren't many men who will humble themselves and tell a series of events in which they were vulnerable and they were sinful and they were unthoughtful and unintentional. And I don't know where I come from, like men like to act like men's men. And um, I, I genuinely appreciated that. Like, I, I, I did. And I think that there's something to it. And I think you guys all could have learned something from that. Um, and I think it's something that you should think of. And I think that um, I understand that the, the work can be exhausting. And the writer writes here, and he warns for that reason. There's a warning in our text. And I... Um, I find it interesting, let me get back to my text. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not give up. If's a tiny word, but it has a monster meaning. If you don't give he was talking about, Brian was talking about things. It's not guaranteed. We all got work to do. But perseverance is not giving up. Um, I, I, want this, I want to say this too because I want to be really clear. Um, I like to think of it as we get tired in the work, not of the work. And I want to clarify that because I think that's really important. I am not tired of doing the right thing. I'm not tired of doing good. 
I just get tired in it. And I think that um, there's honesty for that. And I, th- I want to make sure that um, I communicate this. There's not guilt in this. Like I'm not hanging guilt on anyone for being tired in the work. But the writer writes a warning for a reason. You're going to get it if you don't give up. That means you can give up. That means you cannot make it. And so the warning here is like, hey, guys, like, it can happen. Stay alert. And I just think it's, um, it's important for us to calculate that. So as we're talking about how to pers- persevere in the workplace and faith, I think it's simple. I guess that's not simple. It's similar to persevering in our just general life. When we're persevering in our general life, when we're making progress in our general life, I mean, it's obviously an overflow into our work. And so um, as things, uh, there's some things that ought to be considered, I think. Um, of course, in the light of COVID and the changes of COVID, things, the workplace is changing, obviously, for all of us um, working from home, you know. So uh, it's not, it's much nicer, you know. It's, it's, so you get some privileges, but uh, you and I get to work from home. So uh, <laughs> just don't work out for you. Sorry. Sorry, dude. <laughs> uh, but consider this. Every person in the U.S. who doesn't work overtime spends approximately 90,000 hours of work at home or at, in their life. Regular old work week, 90,000 hours. Now, for most of you, you've worked overtime and a lot of it. So it's more than that. And you know as well as I do that anytime you spend one, that extended period of time in one place, man, you come in contact with all kinds of people. You have all kinds of experiences with all kinds of characters. And, and so like, uh, I think the effect that you have on people cannot be understated. When you tell me series of events happen where you have very little contact with someone and a year later they're asking you questions, it testifies to me that our effect on men and women who were around for extended periods of time cannot be understated. Cannot be. And so though we don't know we're having an effect and though we don't know we've had a direct conversation, we do know that our presence is present our perseverance is undeniable our attitude conduct is undeniable our character is undeniable and they know and so i want to make sure that you don't underestimate the effect that you have Um, whether you reach people for the lord while you're at work or whether they hate your guts when you're finished you'll have an effect some dramatic, more dramatic than others. And there will be an effect. So the importance of remaining focused on our perseverance and faith is super critical. Um, our ability to remain focused on what's on the other side of the clouds is really critical. Um, faith, righteousness, 
and integrity. When the writer writes about uh, sowing to the flesh and sowing to the spirit and reaping accordingly, and there are, I think there are any number of things that can get, um, get our minds off base and off the spiritual things that the writer is writing about. It's different for everyone, right? And, um, and I'm going to tell you this. What I'm about to talk about seems very elementary, but I'm going to tell you this. It's very real. And it's going to be things that um, I think we've all dealt with and we've all battled in regards to discouragement. And so um, I, I want you to know that I'm not focusing on the discouragement and the struggle as much as I am the attitude in which we persevere with when I mention these things. I think in life, um, whether we're at work or just life, um, being intentional is going to be critical for you. <clears throat> there are all kinds of potential sources of discouragement that are going to kill perseverance and momentum. You guys know as well as I do, momentum's a big deal. You get things rolling. Think about the body. Like I look here like, right, man, like there are young men. There are guys who've been in the congregation a short time. There are guys who are, it's obvious that I've been, it's been two years since I've been here. And the spiritual growth is incredibly obvious to me. And the momentum, I can see it in the congregation. It's moving and rolling and it's rolling. But if we're not careful, momentum can be squashed in a hurry if we're not intentional about what we're trying to do. Um, and I think if we're, I think we're, um, I'll say this the right way, we'll be a much more formidable opponent if we're well aware of what the devil's trying to accomplish. Give you an instance. Take for instance this. Those who have worked and invested in people physically and spiritually for years and have seen no result. Has a lack of result ever changed your perseverance? I, I can't speak for evangelists, but I think about a guy like Bill or I think about a guy, um, you know, who leads a congregation and has a lack of a lack of results, how difficult that is. Take, I'm gonna give you this example. So we're in a, we're a results oriented society. I heard Brian Bragg say, if I didn't get a buck, I was cranky for a year till the next season. Yep. Amen. We're results oriented. I mean, we go fishing, we determine whether our day fishing was successful or not by what's on the stringer. Results, good, good day. Nothing on it, bad day. That's how we determine things. That's how we're results-oriented people. We, we diet for two days, we're expecting results. Like, bro, when I get on the scale, I better have lost five pounds. Like, like that's how it works. I mean, I, I ate good for two days. You know, like, that's how we are. We're results-oriented people. But what happens when there's no result? I'll tell you this, service to the Lord is not measured in results. And, I, and let, me, let me clarify. It's easy to get convinced that you're not making a difference when you can't see the changes. Turn your Bibles to Ezekiel chapter 2. Ezekiel chapter 2. I'm going to read 3 through 8. 
And it's really interesting when you, when you study the prophets, the major prophets particularly, and you see all the effort, all the time, all the energy, all the perseverance, all the, the difficulty they had with very little results often. Ezekiel chapter 2, verses 3 through 8. Then he said to me, Son of man, I'm sending you to the son of Israel, sons of Israel, to a rebellious people who have rebelled against me. And their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. I'm sending you to them who are stubborn and obstinate children. And you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord God, As for them, whether they listen or not, for they are a rebellious house, and they will know that a prophet has been among them. And you, son of man, neither fear them, nor fear their words, though thistles and thorns are with you, and you sit on scorpions, and neither fear their words, nor be dismayed at their presence, for they are a rebellious house. But you shall speak my words to them, whether they listen or not, for they are rebellious. Now you, son of man, listen what I am speaking to you. Do not be rebellious like the rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I'm giving to you. Do you think Ezekiel was an unsuccessful man if he didn't get results? God told him. They might, they might not. I mean, what's a guy to do when they might, they might not? I mean, it's hard to get spiritually motivated when they don't. But it's really great to me. I think it's an awesome thing that God doesn't measure faithfulness in the result of what you're accomplishing. He measures it in heart. Acts chapter 26, real quick. Acts chapter 26, turn there. So you guys know this series of events with Paul. Acts 26, 22 through 29 is what I'm going to read. Now, Paul has been held up. He's been in front of the Areopagites. He's been in front of Festus. Festus gets him pushed over to King Agrippa. He's appealed to Rome, to Caesar. And he's standing in front of King Agrippa. And they have this big shindig. And King Agrippa says, it came in in much pomp is the term that it used. He comes in in much pomp and Everybody's at the party. And Agrippa says, you can talk. And here's where it comes up. Verse 22. So having obtained help from God, I stand to this day testifying to small and great, stating nothing but what the prophets and Moses said was going to take place, that the Christ was to suffer and that by reason his resurrection from the dead, he would be the first to proclaim light both to the Jewish people and the Gentiles. And while, while Paul was saying this in his defense, Festus, important guy, says with a loud voice, Paul, you're out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you mad. And Paul said, I'm not out of my mind, most excellent Festus. But I utter words of sober truth. For the king knows, he was referring to Agrippa, the king knows about these matters. And I speak to him also with confidence, since I'm persuaded that none of these things escape his notice. For this has not been done in a corner. 
King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you do. And Agrippa replied to Paul, in a short time, you'll persuade me to become a Christian. 29 says, and Paul said, I would wish to God that whether in a short or a long time, not only you, but also all who hear me this day might become such as I am, except for these chains. Man, a man like Paul speaks and he almost persuades Agrippa, but it doesn't happen. Would you say Paul was unsuccessful? Yeah, I, I, all I'm trying to accomplish in this point for you is that we cannot measure the difference that we're making on the results. We are not being judged by results. We're being judged by heart, by whether we're faithful, whether we're doing what we've called, been called to do the same way Paul was. Whether men change or not, we won't know. Whether they change or not in your own personal life, grind. Men of perseverance will not be detoured. Will not be be detoured by whether men listen and there's results or not. You have to fix your mind today whether the result is what you desire it to be or what you think it will be, that you will persevere. I am... My second warning, I guess, to you is this. There's potential for discouragement and focusing on other people's attitudes. Some of us, man, we work in a really cool place. Some of us, we don't. It can get really cynical. Cynicism's a danger. Um, When you're next to people who don't really care about the issues. They don't really care to have a relationship with you. They don't even really care to listen to your voice. They want to get their check and they want to go home. You can become very cynical in lumping those people together with other people. There's a danger in that. There's a danger in being in the workplace and thinking just everybody's a jerk. And I know that, um, I know that comes with a poor attitude or a poor warning, but There is a legitimate danger of us lumping people together and not seeing individuals as a specific individual. And so I say that because I think um, there's a temptation like to grow weary in our attitude. Go to Jeremiah chapter 5. Jeremiah chapter 5. Good book, good book. Jeremiah chapter 5, 30 and 31. I find this fascinating with the prophets. Um, And I think if you studied the major prophets, you would find these men to be incredibly strong men, though oftentimes they they struggled. Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 30 and 31, reads like this. An appalling... And horrible thing has happened in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely and the priests rule on their own authority. And my people love it so. But what will you do at the end of it? It's real easy to get discouraged by people who don't want to do the right thing. 
And I'm not speaking just at work. I'm speaking at the assembly. I'm no stranger to the assembly. I'm no stranger to a group of people who are core groups in assembly who want to do the work and who always are the ones who scrub the toilet and are always are the ones who are there first to turn the heat on, are always are the ones. I'm no stranger to that, to the core group. But there's a danger in us um, being discouraged by other people's attitudes. And as persevering men, we can't do it. You know, does that guy have the spirit of sacrifice? Nah, not, not really. Is he interested in missions? Only casually. Does he willingness, have a willingness to serve? Only when it's convenient. You know, um, does he have a burden for the lost? Not really. It's easy to have those, those people with those attitudes and to let it get to you. Um, so don't let your perseverance be crushed by other people's attitudes and spiritual principles. And it's, I'll say this too. It's really frustrating sometimes when the people that we're having conversation with don't know the value of what we're trying to give them. So be patient. Guys, when people come to the assembly and they're not, you know, they're not faithful per se and they're not getting things done and they're not enthusiastic about certain things that are really good, be patient. Sometimes they just don't understand the value of what you know yet. I just want to encourage you. Men of perseverance, who persevere in faith, don't get detoured by the minds and the attitudes of other people. You you got to do it here. Um, another way I think um, people get discouraged as far as perseverance is concerned is people who are experiencing temporary failure. You guys remember um, Elijah under the juniper tree? He, he runs, he, he bolts, he's under the juniper tree and he's like, Lord, just kill me. Like, I, I'm not as good as my father's. Now, had you considered the fact that he just had one of the greatest victories over Baal worshipers of all time in the history of the gospel? And all of a sudden, a little lady writes him a letter and says, I'm going to kill you by this time tomorrow. And he tucks tail and books it out of town and he's ready to give it all up immediately. He has a temporary person who withstands him and gets up against him and says, I'm not eating what you're serving. And all of a sudden, like, he's on the run. And um, I found it fascinating. Though he, he had just accomplished what he had accomplished, but he was, he was so easily moved by a temporary problem. And I think um, I say that because it's possible. Turn your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. So we're going to be in verse 17 and 18. 7 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17 and 18. You guys know this one. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory, far beyond all comparison. Momentary light. What you got here is light affliction. 
but man, it's a producing an eternal weight, heavy weight of glory beyond the clouds. For while we look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen, our eyeballs are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Men of persevering faith will not let naysayers or temporary failures hold us back. Things are temporary here. TJ, that house, your wife, spectacular. Win or lose, I'm all in. I'm going to keep grinding. Man, what an amazing example she was. What an awesome attitude. I was um, moved by that. I want to talk about this. When we're talking about sources of discouragement to perseverance and faith, what about when someone who you've invested in decides to grow weary and quit? Do any of you know somebody? Does somebody pop into your brain? Somebody you poured time, energy, effort, money, love, friendship. You were totally invested and they decided they grew. They were too tired. That's why the writer wrote it. If you don't quit. But some do. Man, there is a temptation to allow your perseverance to falter when others decide to quit. Um, this has personally affected me. It hurts. Um, there's a, there's another, another level to the hurt when there's a level of personal criticism that's attached to it at the end. When that person decides that, um, rather than dealing with the responsibility that's theirs, they want to find fault in the reason they left and blame you or someone else. And it gets real personal. And it gets really hurtful. And um, it can be discouraging. And I, um, I, I say this to you. Uh, I heard a saying, an old man that I worked with for a really long time. He has, he's one of those old guys, you know, you'd see that say simple things, but they mean a lot. And uh, he told me one time I was discouraged about something and somebody was on my case about something. And he said, you know what? Wherever there's light, there's bugs. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And, and at, at the moment, I didn't realize that I was like, that old dude, he's always got some kind of saying. But then I thought about it, and I'm like, man, when my light is shining, there's always bugs flying around trying to bother me, distract me, bring me down. Wherever there's light, there's bugs. You know, there's a temptation to say, like, man, I'm never doing it again. I'm never investing that much. I could have got so much more accomplished by doing this or this or this or this. And to, to change the method of perseverance that we've got when something like that happens. And so um, there's a temptation to lose heart. You guys remember um, 1 Samuel chapter 8, Samuel the prophet, right? Um, 
the Israelites rejected his clear instruction and they still asked for a king. They clamored for a king. And he got discouraged. Do you remember what God told him? They, they aren't rejecting you. They're rejecting me. Persevere. Do what I asked. Do what I asked. It's hard not to get the two tied up together, isn't it? When you got so much invested, you take it real personal. Just happens that way. Um, so I'll say this. Uh, men of persevering faith won't let the status of other people stop them. One of my last examples of something that challenges our perseverance is loneliness. Now, I'll, I'll say this openly, and maybe you can't understand. Maybe you can. But doing the right thing, it's lonely on the second mile. It's lonely on the highway when you're going the extra mile. When people just don't want to be there. And doing the right thing can seem really lonely sometimes. You guys, um, I genuinely appreciate the, and I think that you should too, if you don't, the value of, of the body. <clears throat> like, um, turn your Bibles to 1 Kings. I'm, I'm going to read 15 verses. 1 Kings chapter 19. I'm going to read 15 verses. Bear with me. I think it's worth it. 1 Kings chapter 19. I'm going to read 1 through 15. First Kings chapter 19, 1 through 15. Now Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with a sword. And then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah. This is what I was referring to earlier. It says, so may the gods do to me and even more if I do not take your life as the life of the one of them by tomorrow about this time. And he was afraid, and he arose, and he ran for his life. And he, became, and he came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and he left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and he came, and he sat down under a juniper tree, and he requested for himself that he might die. And he said, It is enough now, O Lord, take my life, for I am not better than my father's. And he lay down and he slept under the juniper tree. And behold, there was an angel touching him and said to him, Arise, eat. And then he looked and behold, there was at his head bread cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And so he ate and he drank and he lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise, eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and he ate and he drank and he went into the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mountain of God. And then he came there to a cave and he lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the sons of Israel have forsaken your covenant and tore down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. And I alone am left and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, go forth and stand on the mountain before the Lord. 
And behold, the Lord was passing by, and a great and strong wind was rending the mountains and breaking it in pieces, the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind an earthquake, but the Lord was not in an earthquake, and after the earthquake a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire a sound of a gentle blowing wind. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in a mantle, and he went out, and he stood in the entrance of the cave. And behold, a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. The sons of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I alone am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said to him, Here you go. Go, return to your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you have arrived, you shall anoint Haziel king over Aram. Um, you talk about alone. I find it interesting that God didn't go, Oh, buddy, I'm going to get you a friend. Oh, it's okay. He's like, what are you doing here? Got them all alone. Like, they want to kill me. They've done this. They've killed your prophets. They want to kill me. They want to end my life. I'm all alone. He's like, you ever did that to your kids? Go. I'm not interested. I'm not interested in your excuse. I'm not interested in you explaining. I don't care. Right? He's like, go. I, I, I just think that, guys, at some point, in our gut, in our head, in our heart, internally, we are going to have to fix our minds that whether we be with people or whether be alone, that we are going to finish this life with a perseverance of faith. And until you determine that, you'll float. What other people do will float you. How they talk will float you. How they react will float you. Where they go will float you. The attitude they have will change you. But until you get it in your gut and you determine in your heart and in your mind and determine in the things that you accomplish that this is my course, you'll keep floating. Persevering men, men of persevering faith, got it in their gut, whether they're alone or they're not. They're going to glory. They're concerned about what's on the other side of the clouds. Not here. It's the only way we persevere, whether at home or at the workplace. There's, there's tons more to be said in regards to the workplace itself, the ever-changing, manipulating fashion of the workplace and how we act and what we say and what we do. But... I tell you that because those people who are unflinching, who are relentless, who proclaim the truth, are becoming an endangered species. Men are weak. They're sissies. And I don't mean like they can't lift weights and hike up the trail and are in bad shape. They're not men of perseverance and integrity and righteousness. 
They're far and few between. There's more here than there is in most places ever. And I tell you that because when you're an endangered species and you're all alone and you're grinding, you got to have it in your gut to make it work. All of us do. When you're dealing with people um, where the truth's under attack and they'd rather be told what they want to hear than what they need to hear, um, it's just difficult. And um, it can be lonely at times. And I don't tell you to discourage you. I tell, I tell you that to encourage you. Fix your minds. We have examples from all those who have come before us. I just read about those prophets. I read about Paul. All those men who came before us and whom we stand on their shoulders of spiritual faith. And we have men who are here in which we stand on their shoulders. And those men will disappear. Bill will be gone. My dad will be gone. Older men will be gone. It'll be us. We'll be the older men. And our sons will stand on our shoulders. Yep. It won't get easier. So you being a man of integrity, righteousness, perseverance today forges for your sons and your daughters in the future. That's important. I want amazing things for my children. And when I say amazing things, I don't mean cars and houses and salaries. I mean glory. Glory. You know, I think about what Brian said about generationally, it's stopping for you and then you restarting it. I think about for my own son. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be a third, fourth generation Christian. I have no qualms about professing that. I'm excited about it. I want my son to be next in line. I don't want him running off fighting the battles of men and presidents and countries and patriotism. Although I love my country, this is not the battle I'm choosing to fight. I'm not interested in men's wars. I'm interested in what's important, what eternity brings. And I hope that I hope that you have it in your gut to leave here. Fix your mind to not be detoured in any fashion. And I think that, um, I, I want to tell you, it's, it's funny that I read this article. Um, he, turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Well, this was read several times. Bill, Brian, maybe, I think, read it. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12. I'm going to read just verse 1. I'm only reading it because it mentions the, the fact that we're in a race. Hebrews 12.1, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witness surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. I am... Um, read an article about um, an NCAA cross-country tournament in 1993. It was interesting. There were 128 runners, and 123 of them missed a turn that was not tagged well. And there was a guy, his name particularly was Mike DeCavo. This, this race was 10,000 meters, and he stayed on the course. He was in the back of the group. 
he stayed on the course and he's waving this way and all the other runners are running the other direction and they're laughing and he's waving and only three runners followed him so everyone was disqualified in this ncaa tournament except for the four men that went the correct way and i read this article and it was funny because at the end of the race they interviewed him and they asked him a question they said what were your thoughts mid-race about the decision of the other people not to follow you? And he said, I didn't understand why they thought it was funny. I went the right way. <laughs> and he goes, well, maybe if I went the wrong way, I would have finished respectively. And I thought that was just an interesting comment because here we are running the race. Come on. And everybody's like, <laughs> Dummies, giving your money to that place. <laughs> giving your time, dummies. <laughs> not, not cheating on your taxes. <laughs> not putting extra cash in your pocket, doing the wrong thing. <laughs> it's all funny. And you're over here running the race, going the right way. Like, come on, come on. And everybody just thinks it's funny. And, you know, it's interesting that they... Um, that's a, there's a correlation there for us. Guys, when we're running, there's going to be very few guys running with us. It's just part of perseverance. I, I encourage you guys tonight to fix your minds. If you want to be men who persevere in faith, integrity, and righteousness, get it in your gut. Get it in your mind that you're going to go no matter what. And don't be detoured by temporary things. Um, men of persevering faith understand that God has always worked with the few in number. Always. If you read your Bible, you'll know that God never, ever works in numbers. The, the numbers are never in our favor. They never will be. They never have been. Why would you expect it now? Keep moving. Keep going. Keep persevering in faith. Don't get discouraged. Keep your eyes on the, the things on the other side of the cloud. This is just a temporary life. We blink and it's gone. My dad is 70-some years old. That blows my mind. Like, just, I can't even fathom it. We talk about it and we talk about like the fact that I've seen very few people finish well. And I want that for him. Men of persevering faith. Thanks.